This is Faster Forward from Northern Trust Asset Servicing, where we explore stories, insights, and lessons learned from leaders and innovators that are driving transformation across their industries. This is Faster Forward from Northern Trust Asset Servicing. In this podcast, we explore stories, insights, and lessons learned from leaders and innovators who are driving transformation across their industries. I'm Patrice Sikora, and with me is Mark Mallett, Head of Platform Strategy at Northern Trust, who will be stepping in as our host today. Our guest for this episode is Scott Kennedy, President and Co-Founder at Novata. Scott is joining us to discuss the importance of ESG considerations in private markets, the growing need for ESG data standardization, and the innovative solutions Novata has for a company's ESG journey. With asset owners increasingly looking to align private market investments with ESG considerations, consistent reporting and data standards are paramount. Novata has developed with this in mind and enables firms to assess their ESG performance by providing solutions to collect, analyze, and report on metrics that matter. So now it's over to you, Mark. Thanks, Patrice. And uh, Scott, thank you very much for joining us today. We're really excited to have you on the podcast and I'm really looking forward to our conversation. You know, Novata has come a long way since we first met early in 2021. Before we sort of get into some of the details, it'd be great to learn a little bit about you. So could you tell us about your career experience and why you founded Novata? Um, certainly, Mark. We have certainly come a long way since those, those first conversations. I think before getting into that, it is worth emphasizing that I think Novata is very much a we, and that goes beyond um, the fact that we have a, a number of co-founders rather than a singular founder. But it's also the mentality, the nonprofit, for-profit partnership, and I think the group of leading institutions that have come together to build Novata, the original group, the Ford Foundation, a mid-year network, Hamilton Lane, S&P, and then the two more recent additions, uh, Microsoft and Northern Trust. And if you look through the many centuries of uh, collective problems in financial services, all the way back to the Kyoto Rice Exchange in the 13th century, what you really see is that these collective problems tend to get solved by consortia rather than individuals or an individual company. Uh, And I think that philosophy is really central um, to the way we built Nevada and to our path going forward. Um, so my background, I spent my first 16 years at Wellington. Uh, I was in Boston for eight years, in London for eight years. And I was always focused on stocks tied to capital markets. And so that started out investment banks like Goldman Sachs and UBS. Uh, pretty quickly, uh, started to include private equity firms as they IPO'd like Blackstone and EQT. And then software and data firms like MSCI, LSE Group, and S&P. And I started to get really interested in ESG from a business perspective in around 2014 when I was living in London and just started integrated into my own investment process. Uh, and I really always thought that ESG was just about good business rather than um, anyone's particular personal preferences. Um, from a personal preferences standpoint, I had also been tracking my own carbon footprint since around 2009. So ESG was a topic that was always important uh, to me personally as well. And how that turned into Novata. So ESG was something that I always pushed really hard, in particular with the private equity firms, where we were large uh, shareholders on behalf of Wellington's clients. Not necessarily what it should look like, but just the importance of having processes around it. And I think the pushback was always there isn't any data. And to the extent that people did have data, they didn't know how to contextualize what the data uh, meant. And so based on that, it seemed like there was clarity on what the problem was and also clear feedback on what the solution needs to look like to 
enable greater ESG adoption in private markets. And when the Ford Foundation wanted to figure out a way to drive adoption of ESG in private markets, on a personal basis, I found their vision of a more inclusive form of capitalism really inspiring. Uh, I think there's both vision and a race to the top inherent in that, and also pragmatism and flexibility within that vision. And I think that left room to do things in a way that worked for the private markets ecosystem. Um, And frankly, that's essential to get something like ESG adoption to work because in the end, I think there's a lot of cases of people shooting too far um, or not not far enough, either being sort of purely commercial about it or being maybe a little bit too visionary. And I think we found a very pragmatic, but also inspiring middle ground in terms of driving that adoption. Um, in terms of just from a personal standpoint, this I love Wellington. Uh, I was there for 16 years. I have nothing but great things to say about it. I think what pulled me away was that this this felt a little bit like my opportunity to have the greatest positive impact on society that I personally am capable of. And I think the founding team at Nevada, and I would emphasize the, the team and the consortium aspect of that, was really uniquely positioned to bring together this group of leading nonprofit and for-profit organizations. I will just say one more thing, which isn't in your question mark, and that's about Northern Trust, why we chose to partner with Northern Trust. Northern Trust was also one of those firms, along with the ones I mentioned, that I had been very close to for 16 years. I've known Northern for a long time, and I've always seen a firm that puts its clients first and takes a long-term approach. And I think given Nevada's focus on doing things right and doing things in a way that works for the ecosystem, um, it was a really easy choice to partner with Northern in the asset owner ecosystem. Well, we we were certainly excited to re-engage you know, when we did earlier this year, and it was we were really impressed with how far uh, you and the team had come. Because when we first talked, you know, in uh, in 2021, it was we were looking for ways to help our clients with data uh, pr- about private markets and ESG, and realized there there really wasn't. Um, a solution out there. And when we re-engage with you, we could see, well, now, now there's something here. And we were very, the timing was right. So we were fortunate to be able to engage in a, in a meaningful way. One thing I'd just like to follow up on, if you could elaborate just on the current state of ESG data transparency and reporting and just, you know, why is that so important? Yeah, I think there's there's a lot of interest in ESG amongst investors, public market investors, private market investors, and increasingly, I think, asset owners want to understand the externalities of their investments. I think it's really important to mention that there are positives and negatives in terms of those externalities. And then I think the other piece that's really important is how ESG ties back to financial results, because I think the firms that do it best do identify initiatives that have a positive impact on financial results and also have positive social or environmental or or other externalities. So there's an impact aspect and there's also the bottom line. I think data is absolutely critical to that. And what I saw and experienced in public markets is that there was some data, a little bit of data, but frankly, there were a lot more just ratings. And then in private markets, there were no ratings. And there was also very little or no data. And in my experience, investing without data is, is generally pretty tough and doesn't work out very well. And I think that comes back to those conversations with private equity firms early on saying, hey, like we can't even get started on this because we don't have any data. And how can you invest without data? And I think to your point, yeah, we we've come a long way since we launched in late 2021. And then there was no data. And now there is there is some data and our data and the outputs from that data are expanding really, really rapidly at this point in time. Uh, and we're excited to to partner with Northern to explore how that data can create 
value for the asset owner community. Right. And we certainly see that with our asset owner clients that in many cases are making statements or commitments to 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 reduce you know their climate footprint and and things of that nature it's really hard when a significant portion of their allocation is in private in the private markets and it's difficult to find the information to confirm that they're achieving what they've said that you know, they've set out to do uh, one of the things you previously mentioned you know the, the lack of ESG data collection and reporting has been a significant challenge in the ESG landscape. How do you think this impacts private markets investing in particular? Yeah, um, and I think maybe maybe going back to to the starting point in Nevada, there is some data in public markets. There is very little or almost none in private markets, and I think there was even less ability to contextualize uh, what limited data that was out there. When we started structuring Nevada in the summer of 2021, we spoke to a lot of the largest asset owners. And the consistent message that we heard was in private markets, when we, the asset owners, ask for this data, we are told it doesn't exist. So step number one is to help make it exist. And from the perspective of, of certainly Nevada's stakeholders, and I think the ecosystem, I think the perspective is that we've answered that challenge really effectively in our first two years. And we now have 75 plus metrics where we have universal benchmarks. Uh, we have 375 sector benchmarks. And I will mention that as of June, that was only 200. So this, we're sort of at this phase where, where the numbers are really growing quite rapidly. And I think the big question we now face is, is how, do we how do we drive impact and value uh, from that data that the GPs and portfolio companies are contributing um, to Nevada. Now, I think one of Nevada's great strengths is that we are pretty self-aware and it is still very early. This might sound like a grandiose statement, but I, I do think it's true. And a lot of the CEOs of the public data companies that I used to spend a lot of time with have told me that Nevada has more private company ESG data than any other database out there. And I think that's that's pretty absurd, given that we are still, as has been mentioned several times, a really young company. But it's also true. And I think that just speaks to how how early we still are in this journey. And that I think we found a mechanism that is creating outputs in a way that works for the market participants that is going to help us drive impact and, and hopefully drive a race to the top. And Scott, you know, in your opinion, what are the key hurdles hindering consistent, reliable ESG data collection and reporting from a private markets perspective? You know, it's interesting you, you talked about the public market side and you know, coverage there is, is fair to say is imperfect. Is the challenge, what makes the challenge that much greater on the private market side? So two years ago, I'll, I'll, I'll say this where I think we were, I think where we are now, and then maybe a little bit about where we're going. I think two years ago, I would have said lack of standardization and lack of technology. And now I think it's much more just to actually do this, to push the different stakeholders um, to actually do it. Um, in terms of what's, what's changed things on the standardization side, two big drivers, regulation in Europe, uh, regulation called SFDR, which uh, came around, I think, 2017, 2018, that is now really starting to hit private markets. And then the second piece, especially in, I'd say, North America and the global context, is the great work that some industry bodies, ILPO, which is one of the big conveners on the asset owner side, um, and then also the ESG Data Convergence Initiative, which also is aligned with ILPO and a group of leading GPs and LPs. I think they've really addressed that by SFDR has a framework of principal adverse impacts, which essentially are metrics and European regulators saying these are the metrics that we want financial asset owners to focus on, which flows through to the GPs. And then the ESG Data Convergence Initiative is 18 metrics, again, a lot of which overlap with those SFDR PAIs. And that's voluntary, um, but I think there's enough industry 
sort of gravitational pull around that, that that's been really effectively created as sort of the baseline. And then on the tech piece, I think, frankly, addressed that tech piece really effectively. We have 85% plus data fulfillment. And on the big positive surprise have been that's across non-control strategies like growth equity and credit as well. Um, and our renewals are really strong because the portfolio companies are happy, which makes the GPs happy. And I think the big question really is just getting the GP community committed to and, and doing it. And I think having LPs asking for a baseline, either SFDR or DCI, and, and also pushing um, the GPs to use fit-for-purpose technology. And I think that's where we, it sort of gets into the, like, where are we going? Um, I think quality of data is the next big question. And we're only going to move in one direction in terms of that being more consistently audited, affirmed, attested to. And I think one of the big benefits that our GP clients are seeing is that the quality of data collected through Nevada is much, much higher than they were getting when they said just send out a spreadsheet saying, you know, without any any definitions or a good user interface. And so I think where we're going is probably around that data quality question. It's a little bit, Mark, it's, it's a little bit like, um, I like to use the analogy of gap accounting. And I think gap accounting first came in in 1934, and it feels like we're in sort of 1931 or 1932, where everyone realizes we need something, but it hasn't been 100% formalized yet. I think that's uh, yeah, a great analogy, and we can all appreciate how hard it would be to measure the performance uh, of public companies without without gap accounting. Mm-hmm. That was how it used to be back in the 1920s. There were no reported numbers. It was just dividends and rampant speculation. So something that we've talked about a fair bit you know, is benchmarking. And it'd be great if you could explain to the audience uh, why benchmarking is so important and you know how that ties into Novata's impact goals. It's a great question. And again, very central to our mission in terms of driving that race to the top. And I think it's also really important in terms of the value proposition to the GPs. And coming back to that sort of community-driven or, or co-op model that we started, uh, before Novata even launched, we were guided by about a dozen GPs in terms of defining what the market needed. And we heard this need for technology to collect, store, and manage data. But by far, the biggest thing that people wanted uh, was benchmarking. And I think that's something that, again, requires a it's, it's a collective problem, right? Because you need a lot of people to contribute data to some sort of central repository. Um, Verisk in the insurance space is a great example of a co-op structure that's grown in to be something really, really large and impactful. So I think the that idea of benchmarking was very clearly communicated to us by the users. We need benchmarking. And I think the reason for that is we all know, coming back to the 1930 gap analogy, we all know what a good EBITDA margin or a revenue growth rate is for an industry. And no one really knows what a good, bad, or indifferent um, carbon footprint looks like on a scope one relative to dollars of revenue. One of the great successes of Nevada, and this is something that we take really seriously, is that the industry has placed enormous trust in us by allowing us to use the data that's contributed to Nevada um, on an anonymized or aggregated basis to create industry averages, benchmarks. And that allows our contributors uh, to compare how their companies are performing. And there's some really interesting conclusions, even from the first, first year of our benchmarks that we put out. And I think where the partnership with Northern Trust uh, comes in is the goal of those benchmarks is, yes, it's to provide commercial value to the GPs, and, and that's an important part of our offering. But I think the, the much bigger goal, frankly, is um, is to drive a race to the top. And I think the way that happens is expanding the use cases for those benchmarks and getting the asset owner community involved in using those benchmarks. And one of the beautiful things about the private equity industry is it does not tolerate being third or fourth quartile. And I think 
pretty much every GP out there it wants to be at least second quartile. There are a bunch out there that really do want to get to the top and want to differentiate themselves. Even the ones that aren't focused on that, though, they aren't okay being in the bottom half. And I think there's a very, very powerful flywheel race to the top effect. So that's that's one piece of it. I think the second piece comes from looking at the data outputs, not as benchmarks, but just as industry averages. And you mentioned, Mark, the lack of private market CSG data. There are a lot of different proxy data sources. And I think generally when you dig into them, you kind of come back to like, wait, I'm I'm not even comparing apples to oranges. I'm comparing, you know, vegetables to meat. I think what Nevada is able to do in some areas and is going to be able to do much more broadly is offer more granular and aligned inputs. So instead of using UNH's carbon footprint as the proxy for your private markets, healthcare services investments, you could instead use a Nevada output that is defined by the subsector within healthcare, company size, geography. And we can do that across hundreds of different segmentations. And over time, we're going to be able to do that across thousands of different segmentations. And I think longer term, that more aligned and granular data is going to be a really strong value proposition uh, for the asset owner community. So Scott, in that instance, it's taking today what are proxies of public market companies that investors are using to compare to their private market investments. While they'll still be proxies, what you'll be able to do is provide proxies proxy benchmarks or comparisons to like private companies. Is that the yeah. distinction? Yeah. So like just one one sort of silly example of this. So the diligence space is starting to investment banks, diligence consultants are starting to find real value um, in the Nevada benchmarks for diligence. Again, just to identify areas where a company might be way off. And one of our partners was kind enough to share one of their old diligence reports with me. And it was an aerospace, industrial type aerospace company based in the Midwest. I think it had like $57 million in revenue or something. And they were comparing the carbon footprint for that company to Lufthansa, Boeing, and I think it was Qantas. Because those were the only companies in the aerospace industry where they could actually find reasonable quality submitted carbon emissions data. And if you think about it, I mean, the, those companies look absolutely nothing alike. I mean, they're not in different countries. They're in different, completely different businesses. And using Nevada, they were able to instead uh, compare it to a basket of industrial companies and aerospace industrial companies that work within that same region in North America. And also segmentation-wise, we're in the sort of same size of, of company. And the outputs were just miles, miles different, almost to the point where the first the first analysis you kind of look at and you go, is this even worth doing. There's no real insight in this. And in the second case, they were able to identify some some areas where the company actually was doing pretty well. And they also were able to identify some small changes that the private equity firm could make that would enable the company to mature faster, especially in some policy areas. Well, that's a really interesting example. And so it leads me to my next question. Are, are there particular ways or you know, that you would say that the ESG benchmarks that Novata has created really support more informed ESG-related decision-making. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I, I think the one I just shared is a great one. I'll give you, Mark, I'll, I'll, I'll give you a couple of, of just really surprising um, outputs from our benchmarking as a whole. And we do try to be balanced in these things. And so we'll share one that I think is a really big positive surprise and ones that are pretty big negative surprise. The positive surprise is, uh, is job creation. So the stereotype of private equity is that PE cuts a lot of jobs. And it turns out the reality is completely the opposite. 
So more than 90% of the companies reporting on the Nevada platform create net new organic jobs. So again, that excludes M&A. They create a lot of them. It's more than 300 per company. It's consistent across every sector. I mean, private equity is, well, the data says it's an engine for job growth. And I think if you're an LP that cares about job creation and creating economic opportunity, the capital you're providing to the private equity industry, there's a chance that it aligns really powerfully. And similarly, if, if you are getting data from the from the firms that you're investing with and you're not seeing a fair amount of job growth, then I think that's a great like, great opportunity to question and say, like, are you just a, a job cutting GP? Because that's not where I want to be. I'll give you a negative example, gender diversity on boards. The industry really lags in this area. It's almost a majority of the companies that do not have any women on the board and the total number of like one out of 10 total board members um, reporting on the Nevada platform are female. For the asset owner community, like clearly that's not good enough. And it's also a great opportunity to engage with GPs. And I think the takeaway there can be if your GPs have a little bit of traction in this area, if they're trying to do better and taking active steps, then get behind it and encourage it. it the numbers probably don't look great, but I think any progress in this area is sadly far, far better than the norm and is something to get behind and and push and try and get more rather than something to castigate folks about. And I think just from these two examples, you can see that the benchmarks can be really powerful, especially at this early point in the industry's development where, where no one really knows what the baseline is. Um, there's just so much that's, that's really unknown. And Scott, would you also say it's helpful having the benchmarks to give firms the ability to compare themselves on a relative basis than on an absolute basis. And that in and of itself might drive more adoption because those absolute numbers might be a little challenging to report. Exactly. And I think the two examples that I picked are kind of deliberately very extreme. They are real. I mean, I don't, uh, I have not heard, I've asked that theoretical question of what percent of private equity backed companies create jobs and nobody has come anywhere near the actual number yet. And so again, like if you have a portfolio, if you have a GP that's telling you, you know, my portfolio companies are adding five to 10 jobs a year. Well, that's actually not very good compared to what, what peers are doing. And then similarly, a GP that has a third of their, of their portfolio company boards email is really outstanding compared to the industry. And so I, I, I do think that again, because of that lack of context, the absolute numbers can just be really surprising which in turn leads to Mark, the, the good point you're raising, which is look at looking at things on, but yes, an absolute basis, like we need more women on private equity backed company boards. Like let's not be apologists about it. And let's also use those relative numbers to try and drive and encourage change where, where people are making some progress. Well, Scott, you've, you've provided a lot of really great information. It's not just about Nevada, but about the state of the industry and the impact that the data that you and the team are calculating can have. Just wondering, is there a, a final thought you want to leave our listeners with in regards to how Novata is shaping ESG for private markets? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think we're at a really interesting spot. And coming back to the earlier comment in terms of where we were a couple of years ago, and it's, it is kind of amazing to think about how far things have come in two years. There's also a clear need for even more structure and better data quality going forward. And then we're also at this really interesting spot, and this comes back to the, the race to the top element of what we're trying to do. There was a clear request from the asset owner community to create the data two years ago. I think we've answered that call to some extent, and it's been quite successful and frankly, a lot faster than we expected, which has been great. And I think our ask to the ecosystem is to help us turn that data into something that drives impact. 
and also creates value for the asset of the community. Um, and that's why we partnered with Northern Trust is to reach that community at scale. So Mark, of course, I'm going to turn this into an ask rather than just a comment, but my ask for everyone, and thank you for taking the time to, to listen this far, is to reach out to your contact at Northern and schedule a call and help us figure out how to turn this data that has been collected from thousands of companies into outputs that, that can actually start that loop and can drive a race to the top and help us fulfill Nevada's mission of, of creating a more inclusive form of capitalism, making the world and society just at least a little better place. I think that's what I'd end on, Mark. Please reach out through Northern and tell us how we can use this data to, to drive impact. Well, Scott, I really ap appreciate the plug and mm -hmm. I hope that our listeners take that call to action and, and do reach out. I also wanna thank you for your time and for the information that you've shared around ESG data for the private markets. It's clear that ESG considerations are becoming more prevalent in private markets. And because of this, it's really important that data standards are implemented and transparent reporting is available. Nevada understands the importance and seeks to make data collection, reporting, and insights easy and practical for private markets. Patrice, I'll hand it back over to you, and thanks for having me. Well, Mark, I'd like to thank you for taking the helm here. Great job. And you and Scott offered such an insightful conversation. Thank you both. And thank you for listening to Faster Forward from Northern Trust Asset Servicing. Thank you for listening to our podcast. Subscribe to Faster Forward from your favorite podcast app to be automatically notified of new episodes. This audio podcast is being provided for informational and educational purposes only and is not meant to be taken as investment advice or a recommendation of any specific investment product or strategy. The information does not take your financial situation, investment objective, or risk tolerance into consideration. Listeners, including professionals, should under no circumstances rely upon this information as a substitute for their own research or for obtaining specific legal, investment, accounting, or tax advice from their own counsel. Northern Trust Corporation, Head Office 50 South LaSalle Street, Chicago, Illinois, 60603. USA Incorporated with limited liability in the U.S.